0: Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ Center life. For more information about who we are,
1: find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Good morning. There's a tradition that comes to us from the Eastern Orthodox Church when one believer meets another believer, one says, He is risen. And the other responds, he is risen indeed. So let's try that this morning. He is risen. risen Good. Turn and do that to your neighbor back and forth for a second. All right, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today. If you've got your Bibles, you can meet me there. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1060 in that Bible. And Mesh has stolen my notes again. He did that in the first service. (laughs) Did he leave? He did. All right. Well, let's see how this goes. We're in Luke chapter 24, and uh, I think we'll be all right, Rob. That's all right. We are—oh, we found it. Perfect. Thank you. Well, we join together today, and we join our faith today with millions of Christians all around the world who stand upon the conviction that Jesus Christ is alive. And we come together on Resurrection Sunday to celebrate that and to take time to remember that and take time to focus on that. And as we celebrate the resurrection, we're celebrating the culmination of the whole Easter weekend, what began on Friday with Jesus' death on the cross and what culminates in an empty tomb on the Sunday morning. And we are celebrating it as good news, right? It is good news what Jesus has done for us. And the good news that he went to the cross for us and that he laid down his life for us, that is good news. But that's not the only good news. Someone dying for us is good news as it, as it saves us. That is not something that we should ever gloss over. But the really good news isn't that he died. The really good news is that he lives. And the testimony of millions upon millions upon millions of people all around the world are that Jesus is alive, and they testify to it by saying, we know he's alive because he's changed us. And dead people can inspire us and challenge us and teach us, but dead people can't transform us from the inside out. And the testimony of millions, maybe even billions of people around the world is that Jesus has transformed me from the inside out. And that should count for something, just logically. If 100 million people say Coca-Cola's pretty good, you'd say, well, there must be something to that. And the fact that millions are testifying that we believe Jesus is alive because we have been transformed, that should count for something as well. Let's take a look at our text this morning. We're in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, Sunday morning, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Now the story is going to go off in another direction here as we go with two disciples to Emmaus. We're going to skip that part. So jump down to verse 36. You can read the part we just skipped later if you would like to. The disciples are all gathered together. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Ghosts don't like fish. But humans can eat and digest fish. Verse 44, he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand scriptures. He told them, This is what is written the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And that power is the Holy Spirit. And we've just finished a Holy Spirit series here at Meadowbrook and been learning about that power. And if you have any questions about that part, you can go online and catch up on the messages if you miss them. So Sunday is uh, one of the key huge events in this gospel. It's not the only event, but as we celebrate Easter Sunday, we are celebrating the gospel, and the word gospel, the word itself, gospel, uh, literally just means good news. And sometimes when we think of the word gospel, uh, we are thinking it refers to a book in the Bible, which it does, or we're thinking it refers to a theology or a belief system, which it does. But the word itself, really at its core, it just means good news. So we're reading from Luke's gospel. This is Luke's good news story of Jesus Christ. And as we celebrate the gospel, and as we celebrate what Jesus did for us on Friday, and what, we did for, or what he did for us on Sunday as well, uh, the only proper response is gratitude and worship. That is the only proper response, because it has been done for us. We don't save ourselves. We have a Savior. And so in the gospel, God looked at us and he looked at this world, which was corrupted by sin and filled with darkness. We were cut off from God. We were separate from him. Isaiah said, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have all wandered away from the shepherd who loves us. And, and the proper, you know, normal consequence of action to that would be that we are just left on our own and death is the end of the story. And yet God is full of love for his creation. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. And so in Jesus, God has come down with us. In Jesus, God walked among us. And he showed us the right way to live, and he taught us what God's expectations were, and he taught us what love looks like, and what a righteous life looks like, and he models that for us as well. And not only that, that alone is pretty good news, but not only that, Jesus then goes to the cross. Jesus stands up and says, Father, where they are lawbreakers, I will take the punishment that their sin deserves. And he goes to the cross for us and he enters into suffering with us. God Almighty, who has done nothing wrong, who is pure and holy and innocent, suffers alongside us and feels betrayal like we have felt betrayal. He feels pain like we have felt pain. He is beaten like we have been beaten. And then ultimately he suffers death as we all suffer death. And yet, even that is not the end of the story. That's good news, that God would do that for us, but that's not the end. Because that's Friday, but Sunday is coming, like the old sermon says. And on Sunday morning, he rises from the dead. He triumphs over death. He says death is not final anymore. Maybe it was, but now death does not have to be the end. And in triumphing over death, he shows us his great and awesome power. That's really good news. Even that's not the end of the good news that's coming. Because then he says, even though Jesus is returning to heaven, he says, I'm going to give you my spirit. God himself is going to live in you. And he's going to give you everything you need to live out this godly life. You will never be left alone. I will come and I will be with you forever. And even that's not the end of the good news because then he says, and when your time on this earth is done, you will be welcomed into heaven. Your eternity is set. And you don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't need to be bound up in fear about that anymore. This is really good news. This is the gospel, the good news Of Jesus Christ. It just keeps going. When you think God's done enough for us, He does more. And it all becomes, it all comes about because of Him. We have been saved by an act of God. He has done it all. The only thing we bring to the table is our sin and our brokenness. And we give that to Him, and He gives us life instead. And we celebrate that life this morning. This is really good news. So let's just unpack that a little bit as we go through our text today. It's the good news that God is unbeatable. The empty tomb demonstrates that God can't be beaten. The the empty tomb demonstrates this. One of the great lines in this whole story comes from verse 6. The angel says, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. It's like, oh, God, I can just picture him scripting that in heaven. This is going to be such a good line, angels. It's going to really sum up the whole Easter Sunday so well. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Well, they do because tombs are usually where the dead people are, right? I mean, that's fair. That is a fair assumption that the women have made and that Peter is going to make later, is that typically when someone dies, they are laid to rest, and that is where they are. And yet there's a, a flip of the script happening here as the angels show up. And so the problem that, uh, that the women are, are having is that they have gone through this horrific ordeal. They're, they have put all their hope in Jesus and the disciples as well. I found myself this year thinking a lot about Saturday. Uh, what Saturday must have been like for them. Because everything just changed so quickly. Right? Sunday they were shouting Hosanna. And then Thursday he's betrayed and then Friday he's dead. And so if you put yourself in their shoes, on Sunday it was like, it's happening. The Savior is here. The King is coming into Jerusalem. The Messiah is going to do everything that he promised he was going to do. It's all coming about right now. That's Sunday. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's all over. Everything falls apart. All hope is gone because death is the end. Right? There's nothing more final than death. And we know we live in this struggle of good versus evil. And, uh, and, and with evil being present everywhere, we see its influence everywhere. And there's nothing more evil that has been unleashed on this world than death. There is nothing worse with all of its finality. Right? There, there's nothing more. When, when death happens, right? And with all of its heartbreak and all of its loss and all of its devastation to us and to our families, like, death is, is it. It's the worst thing that can happen. And Jesus comes down to solve that problem. Jesus comes down to deal with that finality and to deal with that fear. And it's like Satan and Jesus go head-to-head in this whole thing, and Satan throws everything he's got at Jesus, Everything that, every tool in his bag comes against him. And it's, we will betray you and we will abandon you and we will beat you and we will whip you and we will slander you and we will lie about you. Like everything Satan has, he puts on Jesus in those last hours and he's doing everything he can to take down the purposes of God. And so everything that he throws against him, we will have all the ones you love turn against you. We will have you betrayed by someone that you love. We will put all kinds of physical agony and suffering suffering on you and even if that's not enough to bring Jesus down we will throw death at you because nothing beats death for now and so with all of its finality the disciples are in despair cuz death should be it and yet as Jesus enters into our suffering as Jesus enters into the fullness of the human experience and And he's hurt by people just like we're hurt by people. And he bears pain in his body just like we bear pain in our bodies. And he submits to death just as we go through death. He even does that. But as Jesus submits himself to this evil, because he is God, he then blows it up from the inside out. And he says, death will not be what it is anymore, and suffering will not last forever, and death is not the end of it. You've heard me preach this verse many times. It's one of my favorites in all of Scripture. Acts 2.24 says, but God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. What a picture that is of Easter Sunday. It wasn't possible for death to keep its hold on him. This is Satan throwing every bit of evil he has, trying to take Jesus down, and in the final act of what should have been the end of the story, saying, Now death is going to cover you and take you down, and Jesus just going, Get off. He's too big. He's too big. For death to hold him down. Death, it was not possible for death to hold on to him. As hard as it might have tried, as as final and as violent as that death was, it was not possible for death to hold on to him. He was too big for death. And as he rose from the dead, and as he came out of the tomb on Easter Sunday, he shows us that if death can be beaten, what else do we have to worry about? If God has beaten death for us, and in the cross, if he has beaten sin for us, then what in my life can possibly be unbeatable for God? If the worst thing that can happen to me is suffering and death, and that suffering and death has been overcome, then I'm in pretty good shape for my life. I'm in pretty good shape. I don't have to fear these things anymore. And so where death was the end, Jesus shows us, no, actually, there's nothing that God can't overcome, even death itself. And that thing that binds us in fear and drives so much of our lives is not something we need to be driven by or fear anymore. It is the good news that our God is unbeatable, and that is really good news. He's told us that he loves us. He's told us that he is on our side. He's told us that we will never be alone, that he will never abandon us. He is with us always, and he has beaten anything that we could possibly be scared of. This is really good news. It's also good news that God rewrites our story. God rewrites the story. The women tell the disciples, Peter, however, verse 12, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Their confusion is understandable. Because up until this point, death was the end. When someone died, that was it. So you can understand the struggle. The women's struggle right away. The disciples and Peter are confused by what is going on. And of course, if we were in their shoes, we would be doing the exact same thing. But God is rewriting the story. He is not doing what the natural story should say. Because God is not bound by that. He's God, and he gets to write the story however he wants. And so where the story should be, a man died on the cross, and he died, and that was it, God rewrites that story and says, actually, no, that's not the end of this story. This story is going to have a different ending than that. And so when the women are coming to the tomb, again, they're coming in despair. It says they bring their spices, and they would bring the spices to anoint the dead body. They would keep it covered uh, because in the climate and and when they weren't doing all the embalming that we do today, uh, the body would start to smell after a while. And so uh, you would have a tomb, and lots of different bodies would go into that tomb over time. So this is a brand new tomb. Uh, this body is going to be in here for a long time. So they go with their spices. They're anointing the body. They're taking care of it. Uh, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. But they're not bringing their spices just in case Jesus happens to be there. They're bringing their spices because in their mind, the story is over. And again, to put yourself in their shoes and how quickly it had all fallen apart from, from Sunday morning, on um, Palm Sunday, to Friday afternoon when Jesus dies, how quickly hope is destroyed. Because the Messiah was supposed to come and change things. The Messiah was supposed to come and set his people free. The Messiah was supposed to come and fulfill God's words and promises perfectly. And on Sunday, it really looked like that was about to happen. And on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the first part of Thursday, it, it must have really looked like that was it, right? The king has come into Jerusalem. It's all about to happen. We've been waiting and praying. And here it's all about to go down. And then Friday the cross happens. Saturday you are lost in despair. Sunday morning you're going to the tomb to take care of the dead body. And a person greets you there saying, yeah, he's not here actually. God is rewriting this story. He's not here. He's risen. God is changing things up, and the promise for anyone who wants it is that God will rewrite our story as well. Because our story is, again, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We have all walked away from God. We have all said, I'm going to do my own thing. We have all said, I'm going to do what feels good for me. In one way or another, we have all broken God's law, all of us, every single person on earth. And again, take that story naturally to its conclusion, and it's we should ourselves bear the consequences of our actions, right? That is fair. Uh, That is what we would teach our children, right? That you, you do something bad, you pay the price for that. So we should, in our story, naturally pay the consequence for our actions, which were separation from God and ultimately death, because we've rejected the source of all life. We've walked away from him. And when Adam and Eve did that in the garden, that was it. Death is now part of the world because you've disconnected yourself. You've chosen to disconnect yourself from the source of all life. But Jesus is rewriting our story. This is not the end of the story. Because where the natural story would say, i got to bear the consequences for my actions, Jesus stood up at the cross and said, I will bear the consequences of their actions so that their sin can be dealt with. And then I will rise again so their death can be dealt with. And now the end of our story is different than it should be because God is rewriting our story. And there's a testimony of many in this room who, just in a very personal way, will give testimony for how God has rewritten your story. I was this way, but now I'm different, right? I was far from God, but now I've been welcomed back into the family of God. I was bound up in sin, but now I found freedom. I was an addict, but now I'm sober. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. My story has been rewritten. Because God is not bound by just the natural course of things. God reserves the right to rewrite the story. And in the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus, our story gets rewritten in a much better way. It's really good news. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. The news just gets better and better and better. Who can bring any charge against me before God? Who can stand before God and say, Chris is a sinner? Nobody. I've been justified by God. I have been forgiven by God. Who can condemn me in God's eyes? Jesus has died for me. He has risen for me. And right now is at the right hand of God and is still interceding for me today. I can't lose for all the winning that's going on in the gospel story. I'm set. I have everything that I need. That everything that would be against me has been canceled out. Anything that would catch me up in my sin was dealt with at the cross. The death that awaits me is not a fearful thing because death has been overcome. And Jesus intercedes for me still and is there to welcome me home whenever my time on earth is up. It's really good news, guys. The first service was way more amen-y than you guys are this morning. I don't want to start a competition, but I'm just letting you know. The testimony of the empty tomb is you were, but now in Jesus, you are something else. You were this, but now you are. You were sinners, now you're saints. You were lost, but now you're found. You were facing death, now you have eternal life. You were separated from God, but you have been reconciled and welcomed back. You were, but now you are, because God is rewriting our story. This is really good news. And it is really good news that demands to be shared. Good news calls to be shared. Jesus would say to his disciples, this is what is written, verse 46. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. From the moment Jesus rises from the dead, People start talking about that. The women right away start talking about that. And then the disciples start talking about that. And when Jesus shows up and meets with them, he says, you are to talk about this. And that shouldn't be that hard because good news naturally wants to be shared, right? We're having a baby. I'm getting married. I got married. I got a promotion at work, right? We share good news. I was watching the Leaf game last night. Yeah, amen to that. The loudest amen of the morning. <laughs> Double overtime. 11.30 at night. I prayed in that moment, Jesus, I, we're going to be up with the kids in the morning, and I've got to preach two services. And 60 seconds later, goal scored. And I'm not saying Jesus is a Leaf fan, but I'm just saying it happened very quickly after my prayer. And you can conclude from that whatever you like. My family had gone to bed hours ago and it was literally second overtime, almost at the end, it was almost eleven thirty. Um they scored the goal. I go, Yes and then went, Ah, we're gonna be doing a Easter egg hunt at eleven thirty at night, because I just woke up my children. But good news calls for a reaction, right? We celebrate good news. We celebrate it together. There was, the game was in Washington last night, but they had a shot of the crowd gathered in Toronto to watch it on the screens. And they went nuts for like an hour afterwards. And there was something exciting, I'm sure, if you were there because you were doing it together. You're celebrating it together. We share good news with other people. We do. It's natural. When good things happen, we tell people. And that is the way we're wired. And other people share in our good news, and that's a good thing. I want to show you a short video here, a YouTube video. This is a little girl whose dream in life is to go to Disneyland. Uh, Let's take a look. Good news calls for a reaction of some kind, whether it's a happy dance or happy tears or sharing. Like, how many know when that girl went to school, there was a story being shared the next time she went, right? Next time she saw her grandparents... There was going to be a story that was about to be shared because we share good news with other people. And we are, I think, safe to say probably a bit of an oversharing culture uh, in the time in which we live. But we share these things. And we should, right? Whether it is the huge life events of we're getting married or we're having a baby or we bought a house or whatever, or whether it is the, the lesser important things in life, but we share those things too, right? Here's something cute my kids did. Here's a picture where I actually look pretty good today. Here's a fitness goal that I hit. Here's a meal that I made. Here's something funny that I thought of. We share these things with other people. We share them. Speaking of life events, Dan and Jen are getting married on Saturday. Everybody, coming up. But if, and only if, they are nice to me this week between now and then. But when that happens, there will be pictures on Facebook, right? There will be celebrations. We share things with each other. From the big stuff to the little stuff, good news is meant to be shared. I I got a smoker for Christmas. This was really good news uh, in my life. And so I made a roast. This was the first roast that I made. It was a nice medium rare, and it was like prime rib. It just melted in your mouth. And I made it, and I cut it, and I took that picture, and I instantly shared it to Dale Trigrob's Facebook page. (laughs) Because good news is meant to be shared. And then some of you started to comment and started to like it and started to weigh in on that. John Gleason said, I liked it, liked the picture, and then I unliked it just so I could like it again. We share our lives with other people. We share good news. And there's nothing wrong with sharing every bit of big or little or everything in between. We should share good news with each other. And we should also ask ourselves, so where is Jesus fitting in to all this sharing? Because good news is meant to be shared. And this is really, really good news of what he has done for us. And you say, well, Chris, a roast is not overly controversial, right? (laughs) A roast isn't going to... Be awkward to share about and Jesus can be controversial and sharing Jesus can be a bit awkward and that is true. That is absolutely true. But if good news is something that we naturally share, then if we're not sharing Jesus, it's either because we've forgotten how good the news is, which is one reason we're talking about it today. Or we've forgotten that other people haven't heard that news. We're just not motivated by that desire that other people need to hear. Jesus said, You've freely received this. Now freely give it away. That there is good news that is meant to be shared. And what I love about the way Jesus does that is he says, Be a witness, he doesn't say, Be a theological expert. He doesn't say you have to have an answer to every difficult question. He doesn't say, uh, you know, go and start a fight. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, go be a witness. A witness is just someone who shares their experience. And so I have an experience of how the good news has changed my life. I have an experience of how the risen Jesus has transformed me. And here's the great thing about me sharing my experience. You can't really argue with it. You might not agree that it was because of Jesus, but you can't argue with my story because I have been transformed. I'm a different person than I was 20 years ago. And I give glory to Jesus, and you might not have to believe that, but I believe that, and I give the testimony that he has changed me. And if you don't believe that, you have to come up with another alternative explanation for why I'm different than I was so profoundly from where I was before I met Jesus. We don't have to have answers to everything. We don't have to be experts. We have to be a witness. We have to tell the story of how that good news has impacted our lives. We have to tell that story. And as we reflect on that this morning, and we're just about done, as we look at that empty tomb, as we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, we are glorifying him because in Jesus we have learned that our God is unbeatable. There is nothing that is too big for him. He is bigger than anything we can possibly face. And we are grateful that he is rewriting our story. Just like he rewrote this story, that we don't have to be the same, that we don't have to walk in our sin, that we don't have to feel far from God, that we are invited back into fellowship with him. He's rewriting our story. And as we acknowledge that he is greater, and as we acknowledge that he is changing us, and as we acknowledge that his grace has been given, we then share that good news with other people, because good news is meant to be shared, and normally we share good news naturally. Come on up, worship team. We're just about done here. I like to end Easter Sunday usually with this story of the Soviet Union in the days of Stalin. And this was a hardcore atheistic philosophy. Their version of communism was very anti-gospel, very anti-church, very anti-Bible, very anti-Jesus. And the Soviets did much to try and take... The, the whole church down, and they tore churches down, and they sent priests off to concentration camps and, and executed them and persecuted Christians like crazy. And Nikolai Bucharan was a contemporary of Joseph Stalin, and he was a, a hardcore atheist, and so there is a story that uh, there was a, a meeting in a town square, and Nikolai Bucharan was there, and he stood up on the platform with the townspeople in front, and for two hours he railed against Christianity. And he railed against the church, and he railed against the Bible, and he railed against the gospel, and he just did everything he could uh, to intellectually tear down Christianity. And when he had been going at this for a while, after a couple of hours, he said, is there anyone who would like to respond to this? And for a moment, nobody did anything. And it must have been intimidating to think about intellectually challenging everything that he had just done. But then an old priest got up, an Orthodox priest, and he walked up to the platform in his 80s in the the robes and the hat and everything, and he walked up on the stage and everyone waited to hear what he would have to say, and he said three simple words, he is risen. And the crowd thundered back, (laughs) and that was the end of the debate, because for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that is enough. The fact that we have been transformed by a living Savior, that we have tasted of his grace and his goodness, we know that we've been forgiven, and we have been filled with his spirit, that is enough, the testimony that he is risen. And that is what we celebrate today on Easter Sunday. And we're just going to worship a little bit more before we close. I'll ask you to stand with me as we get ready to go.
0: come here this morning on Easter Sunday, question I have for you this morning is simply this. What will you do with Jesus? And what are you doing with Jesus? See, Jesus is resurrected. He said no to death as Pastor Chris talked about. And he is alive. And we can have a relationship with Jesus. But what are do you doing to do with Jesus? He died for you. He loves you. He loves all of us. And as you come to church this morning, as you think about Easter, I pray you're encouraged to be reminded that his death And his resurrection matters for us for eternity, but also here on earth as we follow Christ, as we journey with him, as he directs us in our life. If you come today and you don't know what it means to follow Jesus and what it means, this resurrection, this death, this new life in Christ, I encourage you to come talk to somebody this morning. I'll be available to others because it's the greatest and the most important decision you can make is to say, Jesus, you are the son of God. You died for me, you resurrected, you beat death. You're coming back one day and you give your life to him and you follow him. And for you Christ followers today, I encourage you to live, myself included, to live like Jesus is alive so the world can see that we have hope and joy in Jesus. So as you go out this week, as Pastor Chris talked about being a witness, be a witness for the kingdom and see how God can use you. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful. That you sent jesus we're grateful jesus that you rose from the dead and you said no to death and i pray jesus as we understand what that means in our life i ask that you would give strength and wisdom and guidance and boldness for encourage as well for those folks that haven't yet decided to follow you they're here this morning i pray god you would just nudge them through the power of your holy Spirit. And if they decide to say that you are the son of God, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that that's who you are, they would not leave this place without telling someone. And so God, for us who call ourselves Christ followers, that love you and follow you, I pray for this week coming up, help us to be witnesses, put situations in our life where we can rely on the power of your spirit so we can walk with you more deeply and more holy, as you lead us and guide us. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for being here. If you want to pray or talk to anybody, somebody will be available up front. Happy Easter. Have a great Sunday.